Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, let's see, it's um, Tuesday afternoon. And I'm going to try to do the Haftorah now, per week. <clears throat> it's a busy week. Even in the podcast area, obviously, you got Yantav and everything coming up, and all the others. So it doesn't matter what order we do. Let's just get right down to it. Today's podcast, or t- tonight, is um, being sponsored by my very good friends, the Marvins, Jonathan Marvin and his wife, Dr. Hannah Rachel Marvin. This is for her mom, the yard of her mom. Fega Baslaib, Neshama Shehavan Aliyah. And um, she's, this is somebody who was originally from Romania, but had the good fortune to get out of Romania in time. So we spoke about Romania, what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whenever it was. And as the Jews over there, I mean, her mom was from Yasi, which is the bad part. I mean, that's where, that's where the pogroms were, where Antonescu killed everybody. Fortunately, in our case, uh, Fega Baslaib got out and went to England and was in the... Uh, Dr. Conley, Michael Marvin is from England, so her mom was in London, and um, she ducked that bullet, as you say. Uh, fortunate were the Jews, who was obviously, who escaped to his country and got to the Anglo-Saxon countries, you know, before Hitler. Um, with that in mind, we turn to Torah, and uh, I see it's by Midbar, so it means it's going to be Hosea. The prophet Hosea, we come across from time to time, is, as I'm sure I must have said, um, part of the golden age of prophecy, by which I mean the following. It's very interesting that um, in the Tanakh, there's a lot of Navis, Nevi'im, even a few Nevi'os. But they always have cameo appearances. Uh, you don't know much about them. <clears throat> they didn't leave books. Now, I'm sure they must have. Nason Hanavi was obviously a significant figure that comes to mind in the time of King David. Achia Shiloni was a big deal, time of Shlomo and afterwards. You know, there's some big names there. Even Elio Anovi, Elisha, and they didn't leave books behind. Isn't that interesting? They're not books of their prophecies. No, I'm sure they prophesied. The Gemara says, Keflam Kirs and There are plenty of prophets back in the old days. But for whatever reason, if they left stuff behind, and I'm sure they did, it didn't make the final cut into the Bible, into the Old Testament. <coughs> um, and this is particularly noticeable when you get to the book of Kings and Chronicles of Malachim, when you have a lot of cameo appearances. You know, Yehu ben Hanani goes and tells off this king. I don't know, Azariah ben Oday tells something to Asa and then leaves the scene. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. Well, Yachziel ben so-and-so tells uh, Yoshava go fight the invading armies. And then they leave the scene. But for whatever reason, when you get to the middle of the period of the kings, uh, to the just before the Silver Age, we start to get prophets who leave whose whose prophecies are collected and 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 um, preserved, and that would give us uh, Yeshayahu and his contemporaries. And Yeshayahu, of course, is big with sixty some chapters. The contemporaries are smaller, and the ones that made the final cut would be in Treyasar, and Oshea leads the uh, 
the the troop, because as you know, from your chemdas test, Hoshea Yol Amos Vadya Yonamicha Dachum Chabakuk and so forth, and they're all from the same time. This middle period, what I call the Silver Age, in which the kings in the south are Uzio. Uh, remember, Yeshayo says I started prophesying at the beginning of Uzio, and other prophets are like that, and so is our hero today, Hoshea. Now he's in the north. At that time, the Jews, of course. We're in two separate kingdoms. But if you look at the beginning of the book of Hosea, you know, which starts off already strange, but he wants to situate himself. And the Chazal, for some reason, have a problem with it. I don't know. I don't uh, In terms of the chronology. But, uh, you know, it says, <laughs> The very beginning. <laughs> so even though he's in the north, he tells you who the kings were in the south. And, uh, Uzi Yosem Ochas Chizki, that's a long time. Uzi was 50 years, and uh, Yosem was 16 years. It's already 66 years. And then Ochas and Chizki, you're talking about another 40 years. It's about a century. So obviously he didn't live a century, but it means in that Tukufa. And when Yeruvim II was the king in the north. So this is what we call the Silver Age, when the Jews were powerful. On the other hand, it wasn't like the Golden Age, David and Shlomo, because they weren't from. Uh, in the north, they were completely not from, and obviously that's a major theme in our Haftorah today, and in all the prophecies of Hosea, and what's uh, unique or um, special, I guess, it strikes me, is that in Hosea you have very much the theme, the following theme. All these Nevi'im that we're speaking about now, usually, in my opinion, I classify them as having two broad messages, A and B. One is the theme of social injustice, which stands alone. If the rich are screwing the poor, and the system is rotten, the judges are corrupt, as was the case, if uh, the Jews are enslaving each other and not letting them go, and in general, you know, when, when there's unbridled capitalism, I repeat, unbridled capitalism, then life becomes impossible for the masses, and you have all the terrors of pure capitalism, and it's the result is social injustice, and God can't stand that. So that's one big theme, over and over again. And the other theme is religious um, idolatry, which is usually expressed, as I understand it, in my opinion, and particularly in our prophet today, in Hosea, in terms of marital infidelity, which is a very interesting thing to read as a Haftorah, Erev, Shabuos, Sunday night Shabuos. And the reason I say it is because the giving of the Torah, or without getting into details of the Ten Commandments, you know, the Matan Torah is, is always described, very often described in the rabbinical literature, in the Torah literature, as a marriage. We use the word Erison, Nesuin, uh, you know, Baal, Isha. Think, for example, in the from uh, interpretation of Shirashim. Kiss me with your hot lips. That's uh, B'nai Yisrael saying to Hashem, you know, embrace me at Harsinai again, as, as it were a kiss. So, in other words, that's the language of boy and a girl, a chasen and a kala, and so forth. And they say, like the Litvox, you know, it's a famous chazal. Erison, there's so many varts in the Rishonim, Achronim, especially Achronim, that are based on, you know, 
this part of Matantara was a Aries and this was an Asuna. And I don't know, I can go on and on. It just comes to mind, you know, um, uh, at the end of Echab, how's it go? Kimos Mastano, Katsaftolino Admob, and Chaim Brisker says, well, you know, it's like a, 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 if the wife says mostly or something like that to the husband, she wants out. You have this terminology of husband and wife. <clears throat> now, in our case, it was a And by the way, the golden calf is described in the Chazal as a kala who's mezan under the chuppah. So that means you now we have this notion of being joined at the hip. <clears throat> and that certainly informs our Haftorah today, which is second chapter of, of Hosea. And the whole book is like that. From the very beginning, Hosea has a lot of weirdisms. At the very beginning of the book, he's told to marry a prostitute. And by doing this, and he does, Gomer. And by doing this, he's like giving a, a, a human marshal that, you know, I got to marry the Jewish people, but they prostituted themselves with idols. And this is a major theme as I see it in this Haftorah today. Because we're presented with a very interesting image which is you often find in literature, movies, plays, things like that, of the good husband, the bad wife. Imagine, I'm making this up now, imagine you have a couple, and when they're young to get married, fall in love. But as we say nowadays, in modern culture, after 10, 15 years, or whenever amount of time shorter, she falls out of love. That's a terminology that's popped up in English literature in the last, I guess, 10, 15 years, right? 20 years. They fell out of love, right? It doesn't do it for her anymore. Now, in modern world, where we prize autonomy over everything else, literally everything else, including marriage vows, <clears throat> so you'll often find like this. The wife, for example, I'm making this up, the wife will go to the husband and say, I don't love you anymore. I want to get divorced. I'll find someone else. I don't have anybody now, but I'm looking. And let's say, you know, if it's a, a British play, one of these, uh, man, you know, like a Jane Austen type thing, uh, the husband will say, okay, you know, civilized society. And they get the word and she'll look for somebody else. They'll look for somebody else. And that's in some regular society. Um, it's pretty sad, but obviously she's basically looking for Zich. It's all about me. Is a self-centered thing. And, you know, she's out of love. It doesn't work for her anymore. She doesn't feel she's getting anything out of the relationship. And so she dumps it. Now, if I were writing a good play, and not in something uncommon, or a good movie, or a TV series, or something like that, you do the following theme. You have a young wife. She's no longer... Interest in her husband. Doesn't thrill her anymore, whatever. She's self-centered. And so she dumps him. She runs up with another guy. Let's say she was even Mizana first. That's a big comment. And she thinks the grass will be greener. And so the husband is in, lets her go. And she marries the new guy. And he's a wife beater. Turns out to be a monster. Have you ever read a book like that? Seen a movie like that? That's a common theme. And then, she says, what a mistake I made. She wants to go back to the first husband. She realizes, now she has a different perspective. She didn't realize she had a good thing going. 
But now she does. Now, if you're the movie writer, you can play it either way. You can say the husband will take her back. Or if you want to be really good, you say this. Guess what, he says. I found somebody else in the meantime. Tough luck on you. And then she shoots herself. You know, no, then then she's, she realized what a mistake she made. Get it? That's an American movie of today. What if it was a Catholic marriage? You can't get divorced. You can't get divorced. It's a Catholic marriage. So she wants to run over someone else. Let's say the husband, the, the new boyfriend's a wife beater. She dumps him and she runs back to her first husband. If it's a Catholic movie, it's going to be interesting because they're still married, you know. They're still married. Does he take her back? He doesn't take her back. You have a lot of material to work with. Now, cats, what are you bringing all this up with the after today? It's mamish what's going on over here. At the very beginning, it's like the end of the previous paragraph, uh, chapter. I told you it's always a problem with the after So it starts with Mr. Rebbein that the Jewish people one day return to Israel in full numbers, all 12 tribes. You won't be able to count them. Don't go by the Jewish people today, which is only the tribe of Yehud and Binyamin. It'll be Kechol Ayam, you know. I think I mentioned you once. I remember seeing the Lubavitcher Rebbe was once interviewed, and he said, how many Jews in Russia, Soviet Russia? He said, 17 million. 17 million? If he said 2 million, 3 million, 17 million. And, you know, he said, Lubavitch knows. And, uh, you know, he had his source of information. And obviously what he meant, I mean, I'm only assuming, what he meant was there's a lot of people who act like Goyim, but really are Jewish if you scratch down. So this is the beginning of prophecy, which has to do with Messianic era. V'nig b'tzu b'nei Yehuda b'nei Yisrael yachtov v'sam l'roshechad v'olam in arts. You know, they'll be Messianic. But then, go to, the real Haftarah starts, I would say, with uh, Parak Gimel. Uh, I'm sorry, I mean Pasuk Dalek. Uh, that's how it goes. They, you know, they, they, for some reason, we've done this over and over again. They don't necessarily start the Haftarah at the beginning of the theme, and they certainly don't finish it at the end of the theme. They share the part that they want to share. But the key part is, then Hashem is complaining to the prophet, and he wants, in other words, he wants the prophet to tell the people that I consider you like unfaithful wife, and I treated you well, and you weren't faithful to me, and I'm angry at you. Rivu bimchem rivu ki loishti I'm not her husband; she's not my wife. That's that's what she's saying. That's what she likes. It. So in that case, don't come back to me. Don't come with any complaints. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, you know, no time is on me. Okay, and. Before we can have a conversation, even let her take the prostitution off of her face. No, she she uh, dolled herself up for lovers and all the rest. This is pretty uh, stark stuff, pretty raw stuff, right? And uh, but he says, uh, you know, she's wearing She's wearing her adulteries on her breast. In other words, let's put it this way: she's telling the husband. Take me back or continue to support me. And she's wearing a big piece of jewelry, you know, on her chest um, that was given by the boyfriend. You see? Her lover. And she's Imchem. She's your mother. Because I'll lose my temper if I say I'll strip her naked. This is the Middle East. This is what the Arabs do if they see unfaithful wife. Strip her naked and I'll put her like in a birthday suit. That's what he says. midbar. And the and the angry husband says, "I'll dump you in the middle of the desert, naked, hungry, thirsty, and trying to make it on your own. Then you'll perish." Okay, I'll put her in the desert, and she'll die from thirst. 
That's how you punish in the Arab world an unfaithful wife, at least in the biblical times. I'm sure they do it today also. And I don't want her to say, oh, I have little children at home. Don't do it to me. These children are B'nai Zununim. You had these children with your, with, with your boyfriends. Now it's me. I'm not responsible for them. So I don't care about them. You should have thought of that when you carried on. Right? Because your mother was Mazan. In other words, so it's a Catholic marriage because this is God talking and you can't get divorced from the Jewish people. We're stuck at the hip ever since Harsinai. So there's no such thing as getting rid of them. But Hashem is saying, I don't have to, to take care of you. You've been saying all the time, I like my boyfriends. Let me chase after my lovers. They gave me all kind of goodies. Food and drink and all the rest of it. In other words, when the times were good, and we were having good times with these guys, who later turned out to be wife beaters, as I said. When times were good, that's all you thought about. You said, they're giving me Mayim and Semer and Shemin and all stuff. And I don't care about the vows that I made and my commitment. I'm not speaking in halakha terms now. Moral terms. My commitment to my husband. As we would say today, you promised Harsin and Nasim and Ishma. We don't care about that. And so Hashem said like this. You're going to treat me like that? I'll treat you I'll treat you like an Arab. Throw you naked in the desert. What's Shaft throwing naked in the desert? We'll be thrown into Gaulus and we'll be naked you know, by the Arabs or something like that, by the Nazis, and, you know, we'll, we'll be exposed. Consider, you know, uh, today we're doing something in memory somewhere from Romania. Imagine Romanian Jews stuck in 1940, 41, in the wrong place, you know, in Transnistria or one of those places in Moldavia where, where you know, they just murder everybody with pruning hooks and whatever. That's like being thrown into the desert and left starvation, scorpions, and things like this. And Hashem is saying, it's your fault. Right? It's your fault. And he goes on to say, it's, it's pretty severe stuff. Right? And he goes on to say, um, you know, I'll obstruct her way with thorns and seal off the fence. You won't find her past nose. I'll lock her in, in, in a prison in the in the desert so she won't be able to escape. You know, make like a barbed wire. And he saw his dark basim because dark is the real civil timsa. Rod for his marvelous sigosum. And she'll try to find help from her boyfriends and it won't work. Big shot motto. So in other words, all those who promised her help won't 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 help. You know why? Just like she was in it for a good time for herself, they were in it for a good time for themselves. It was not a real relationship, it's each one what's the right word? Each one trying to get maximum personal advantage out of the relationship. So there was no Ava one shot that we're married and I'm making sacrifices in your behalf, and you make sacrifices in my behalf. No, I'm in it. Just what's for me. Um, well, guess what? So is the boyfriend. And therefore, they're not going to help you when you're in the desert. Or if you want to use the nimshal, you went after all these idols, the Baal, the Asherah, the Golden Calf, and whatever. Let them help you now. You see? And if they're not going to help you now, then you say, well, I better go back to Hashem. Uh, uh-uh. I'm not interested. Only when, look what she says. Then I better go <laughs> back to my first husband. How's it work? It's better then than I have now. Yeah, that's not fair. You understand? At that time, your husband's not going to want you back. Now, you know and I know that this is all rhetorical. In the end, we're not going to have a nevuah 
which Hashem says, I dump you forever. Okay? It's, all, it's like a Catholic marriage, you know. We are, we and Hashem are stuck together. Once it said, Harsinai, Nasim and Ishma, Kavhar, Kegigis, all the rest are, but meanwhile, there's going to come in the end uh, a reconciliation. But meanwhile, the Chosin is pretty angry. And he's expressing himself with anger through the image we just said before, or as I would say today, through various holocausts and things like that in history, destructions. But he lo yolo, and she doesn't realize, meaning she doesn't want to know. I'm the one to give her all this stuff, but she used it for Baal, for, for the idols. And therefore, because you misused the bounty that I, God, gave you, I'll take all the, the goodies away, all the food, the grain, the wine, and all the rest of it, right? I will reveal her ugliness for all of her friends, because once she's stripped naked and sent in the desert and the starving and going crazy and all disheveled, she won't look pretty for her boyfriends. Look at the stark language I'm telling you they have in this after It's quite remarkable. On the other hand, Hosea must... Let me put it this way. When the prophet Hosea spoke, <laughs> I don't think anybody slept through this. It's like R-rated. You know? When he spoke, he, he grabbed his audience with these imageries. Okay? And, and all the holidays will be gone, meaning you, the unfaithful wife, won't have any parties anymore in the new situation I'm giving you. Again, if you went to Nimshol, you Jewish people won't have a base of Megish or anything like this, so you won't have all the good times that you used to have. Uh, and he goes on and on like this, you know. Now, uh, and he says, I can't stand him. I will, I, God, will rem- make you remember the times of the Baal, which he used to offer to them, and you were so full of filth, you know, uh, you adorned herself with earrings and with jewelry. It was disgusting, okay? Now, um, but then, as I said before, you know where this is going. <laughs> right? You know, this is a marriage without a finality of divorce. The unfaithful wife, at the end of the day, is not going to be left to die in the desert. What comes across from this prophecy is she deserves to die in the desert. She deserves what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, he will not let it happen. She will suffer for a certain amount of period, but then he'll take her back. He always takes her back. He always takes her back. No matter how many times he does it, always takes her back. The only thing is, each time, for each act of unfaithfulness, she has to pay a price. And so the history of this woman is going to be, she always she always gets taken back, but her life is punctuated by a lot of periods of misfortune. A lot of times she's left alone and stranded and naked and starving and bit by animals and scorpions in the desert. If she would have had the good scent, you, you hear what I'm saying? This, uh, this is a rhetorical method of Hosea. If she would have had the good sense just to stick with the husband, or better yet, each time after he takes her back, she should say, this is the last time I'm making that mistake. And then from then on, Mikano Hob, everything would be good. But she is what she is, and therefore she has to learn, she has to suffer through this again and again. Again, if you want an example, it's like you say, don't drink wine. Every time you drink wine, you're going to get a, a terrible stomach. But the guy wants to drink wine, so he, you know his life is punctuated by a lot of bad stomachs. You know, he doesn't learn. And so it says, 
when you get to the second part in Pusik 16, Lochaid, I am going to take her back. <laughs> like I said, before, I am going to take her back. Hinani Onochi Mifateho. Mifateho. Onitsa Mifate. Mifateho. I, God, will start sweet talking to her. Right? My gosh, Mifate is you talk in seductive tones. Wait a minute. A second ago, you were beating me up, throwing me in the desert, cussing me out, stripping me of all food. But then you change your mind. That's how it goes. That's the call Yisrael. And I'll lead her home from the desert. And I'll start speaking nicely to her. And I'll start giving her wine again. It's a wonderful expression. The, the ugly valley will become a petach tikva. Become a gate of hope. Those will turn around. Everything will turn around. And she'll call out there as she once did long ago. Meaning, we will start uh, dating again as we once dated. And we'll restore things the way it was when we left Egypt. You know, we say, um, Again, the language of husband and wife. And then, as he said before, it'll be a loving relationship. It'll be Ishi and not Bali. Bali means I, I own you, I dominate you. Ishi means uh, I love you. And all references to further, all references to former boyfriends will be gone, removed. And we'll go back to happy, such happy times. <laughs> you won't, you won't even remember the names, right? That's how I translate. Do you remember? If you're a guy, do you remember every girl you ever dated? If you're a girl, do you remember every guy you ever dated? Hopefully, after so and so many years of marriage, happy marriage, it's long in the past. You don't even remember. Honestly, not be politically correct. Very gedenktos. You know what I'm saying? We will. So the prophet says that's why we read this after. I told you, first half is very vicious. Second half is the opposite. We'll go back to where we were before. The emekachar will come a pesach tikva, and you want to know something? We won't talk about the unpleasant parts of the past. We'll even remember them. And the animals that I exposed you to a minute ago will now there'll be a bris. All the animals will leave you alone. Or as we would say today, the Germans, the Arabs, and the others won't bother you anymore. These are the Chayis Asad and the Ofe Shamayim, right? And the Remes Adama. The Keshes Vecher Mechoma Eshbar Minaris. And I'll destroy all, all weapons. Vishkavtim Labetach. And I'll let them lie there securely. And so what will be the final culmination? Dean Averson. Those will have what we call today um, a second wedding. Uh, sometimes people do that. I mean, there's nothing halachic in all this. Something to, you know, what do they call Repeat the vows, is that the expression? You know, you know, not not a firm thing. You repeat the vows. We'll do it again. Because we're already married already since our We'll go back to square one to the good times. So, 
the prophet, as I said before, nobody falls asleep during this Nebuah. And the imagery is very powerful. And the imagery is real. Now, let's put it this way. If you're from Jew, then you believe you have a kind of relationship as Klai Yisrael with Hashem. That is to say, it's a relationship. A rela- and it's a relationship along the lines of a husband and wife. And by that I mean it's a relationship in which it's not just what you do for me, i got to do for you also. And just if you have responsibilities for me, I have responsibilities for you. And just as I expect that you should be loyal to me, because everybody wants in time of trouble, God should help them, then God has the right to expect that you'll be loyal to him. And if I fail, then it's not without consequence. You see? It's not without consequence. This is along the lines of what Hoshea already said earlier um, in the first chapter, when he marries Dad Zona and all the rest of it, and then God says, see, you don't know who your wife is, and that's how I feel with the B'nai Yisrael. But on the other hand, the second half is very nice. And it it um is ultimately a, a testimony to the power of Shavuos. Because we got married in Shavuos. That's what I mean, we got married in Shavuos. And uh, the marriage does call for responsibilities and has penalty clauses. That's what you see over here. But it's a Catholic marriage, there's no divorce. <laughs> You know, it's a Catholic man. At the end of the day, it's not modern America. Do whatever you want. Good time, Charlie. You're stuck together. The only thing is, will you have the the the, the logic, the, the 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 common sense, not to abuse the relationship? And if you don't abuse the relationship, you'll have what to fall on. If you're stupid and you abuse the relationship, you're st- it's a Catholic man. You're still going to be married. You know what I'm saying? You're still going to be married, but you'll have to go. Uh, what's the right word? Kind of a purgatory uh, type experience. Jewish history is replete with all this, right? We've had more than enough purgatories. Uh, so this is a very striking Haftorah, and it's the power of prophetic rhetoric. And as I said before, if you really understand what, what's going over here, just take yourselves back about 3,000 years or so, whatever it was, and you're listening to a speech by the prophet Hosea, and he's not giving a Muslim Shmustam of the Veltoran, he's speaking very directly and using male and female metaphors and using examples from real life, and, uh, you know, the whole idea of fidelity and infidelity is one that nobody ever falls asleep on. As we would say today, adult movie. And um, and therefore it's real. It's very real. With that, once again, I thank the Marvins. We hope that the Neshama Shavali, that's Pega Baslaib. And um, with that, I wish you a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.